Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church podcast ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. We are in Acts chapter 20. The title of today's message is Pay Careful Attention. Everyone say those words. Pay careful attentions. Goodbyes are hard, aren't they? I don't know the last time you've had to say goodbye to someone, maybe on a trip or maybe for an extended period of time. Uh, This Friday is the sixth anniversary of Libby and I's first date. Uh, Cinco de Mayo, six years ago. Thank you, babe, for that. Appreciate that. It's good to know we still got it. Six years ago, Friday was our first date. It was Cinco de Mayo, and we went on our first date. A few weeks later, uh, she was already in the planning stage of buying tickets for uh, Alaska and going on a vacation by herself. And so she kind of finalized those. A few weeks go by. I think it's in August she goes on that trip. And so I volunteer, of course, like a good boyfriend should at the time, uh, to drive her to the airport. So we go. I drive her to Portland. I think, I don't forget what we did on the way up, but we probably spent the day got there in plenty of time, and we get to, you know, the gate and the terminal, we get out of the car, we unload her stuff, and, uh, you know, we're just kind of staring at each other, we're dating at this time, so I, so we, I give her a hug, and when I gave her a hug, I said, I love you, which is sweet, but we hadn't said that before yet, and it was kind of this weird moment when I gave her a hug, and I said, I love you, and I just kind of held on, like, what have I done? (laughs) It's only been like a few weeks, Daniel. Like time kind of stopped and I had this whole conversation with myself. And I was like, there's no turning back. You can't say I changed my mind. You can't say I didn't, that was a mistake. There's very little things you can say after that. And I just remember saying, well, so yeah, I, I didn't plan on saying, you don't have to say anything. Actually, don't say anything. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, and then we'll, we'll talk about this later. Okay, goodbye. And that's literally how we left it. I left, got in my car, and I just kind of keeping an eye on my phone, seeing what text comes, you know, like, thanks for the ride. Maybe that's all, right? <laughs> I have someone else picking me up in a week. Um, goodbyes are hard. You don't know what's always going to happen. We're in Acts chapter 20, and Paul is in, anybody know what city we're in? He's in Ephesus. I want you to remember that because at the end of the sermon, I'm going to ask you again, and it's really important that you remember it's Ephesus. He's in Ephesus. He's been there for a couple of years, and now he's saying goodbye. He's saying goodbye to these leaders of the early church, and as he does, he's very thoughtful. He does not give them a hug, whisper something in the ear he did not have planned. (laughs) He's very thoughtful, and it's very serious for us to consider what it means for us today as well. It's really, really fascinating. 
Now, I want you to give a little bit of background to Paul. We've talked about Paul quite a bit, right? Paul's this guy who, who lived a life that was contrary to the gospel. God arrests his attention one day. He comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus, and nobody wants anything to do with him. God recruits Ananias and says, Ananias, I need you to, to, to just be with him for a while, which was strange and unusual just by way of introduction because Paul was someone who persecuted and murdered Christians, in the name of religion. Ananias is a Christian now trying to take care of Paul. Uh, Later, Barnabas comes in his life. Later, he goes and he goes on different ministries. And all throughout Paul's life, what he has been used to is when after he came to Jesus, he has been shunned. He has been on the outside. He has tried to preach the gospel to the Jews. The Jews won't have him. He tries to preach it to the Gentiles. Now the Jews are angry at him. Every single time he goes to the city, to a city, and he preaches the gospel and people come to Jesus, he's now kicked out of the gospel. He's kicked out of the city. So now he's in Ephesus for two years, building strong relationships with these people, and now he has to say goodbye. Let's pick it up in verse 25 this morning. It says this, now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. No one's going to see me again. He kind of recaps his time in Ephesus by saying this, this, this time in my life has been categorized by this, by this phrase, proclaiming the kingdom. Paul did a lot in Ephesus. In fact, he did a lot of miracles. We, he did some unusual miracles. Handkerchiefs and aprons were used to heal people. He was able to heal and deliver demonic spirits. Yet the way he categorized his time there was... This was my time proclaiming the kingdom. It's as if Paul says, I did a lot of things. You were able to see a lot. But at the core of who I am, I am someone who delivers the kingdom of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now this would probably be the last time they see one another. He had been there for two years. And much of that time was effective ministry, building bonds of fellowship and friendship. And so now Paul's great love and concern for the leaders in Ephesus, he now kind of just walks them through his goodbye. He followed Jesus as close as he could, and Jesus loved these believers, and so did Paul as well. We get a unique insight into Paul's heart. Look at verse 26. He continues. He says, Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. He says, I'm not guilty of, of shrinking myself when it comes to delivering the whole counsel of God. As, uh, God. as if he was a witness in court, he says, I have a clear conscience before God. He could leave these Christians knowing that he did not shrink when it came to taking the scriptures and providing them an adequate explanation of the whole counsel of God. The implication there from the writer Luke is this. Uh, Paul did not shy away from certain subjects. He didn't shy away from certain areas of scripture. When things came up that would be a little bit difficult for Jews to understand, he pressed in and explained it. When things came up that would be difficult for Gentiles or outsiders to understand, he pressed in and explained it. He did not shrink from his responsibilities. We looked at it in Acts 19 that Paul would teach the Ephesians for more than two years using the room from Tyrannus, 
uh, several hours a day, six days a week. And he had plenty of time to take them verse by verse through the Hebrew scriptures. And he warned later in Timothy that there would come a day and age that preachers would have to wrestle against the temptation of simply preaching what people wanted to hear. That people would not endure sound doctrine. They would have itchy ears and that preachers would have to wrestle the temptation against preaching just what people wanted to hear. They would have to take the, uh, take the whole counsel of God and teach it. And taking Paul's testimony at full strength, we must say that these preachers, even in today's day, who deliberately fail to deliver the whole counsel of God, are guilty of the blood of all men. May it never be said from this pulpit or from myself that we skirt around issues that are in Scripture simply because they're hard. He goes on and he encourages the church or the elders in this verse. In fact, let's read it together. Ready, begin. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So in this verse, Paul moves into the commissioning as he says goodbye. He has these leaders of the early church, these elders, and so he gives them his parting words, which are very applicable for us today. As we get started, if you're following in your notes in that bulletin or maybe in the Bible app, you can follow along. By way of introduction, godly and effective leadership flows from a full life, not just from knowledge. It flows from a full life, not just from knowledge. And so to the leadership, he says this, pay careful attention to yourselves in your own life. He's about to tell them you have a high standard to fulfill. The standard isn't perfection, but it is nevertheless high, and you won't fulfill that high standard without paying attention, without putting attention. It doesn't happen accidentally. It doesn't happen um, by, by circumstance. It happens when we intentionally pay careful attention. These words from Paul were all the more dramatic, knowing the tension in the atmosphere of this meeting. These were his final words in person, and he was trying to get them understand the calling that you have to lead the church of God is a high and a whole calling, so pay careful attention. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to your flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Pay careful attention, love them, look over them, care for them, because God has made you overseers. Now, the word there that he's using to describe the church is what word? Look at that first phrase. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. Which part of that phrase represents the church? The flock. So the word picture he's using is a flock of sheep, right? He says, pay careful attention to this flock that you've been granted. Um, he is telling them to be shepherds, to be pastors, to be elders. Um, typically, the way they were organized in the local church there is they would most likely have house churches. They ne necessarily didn't have a building like we have today, but they had house churches. And typically, uh, they would have one person in each house take on the role of elder for that house. And so they would have house churches and house elders. The command in this scripture 
is to do two things. Pay careful attention to yourselves. And then later on in the verse, it says, care for the church. Pay careful attention and care for the church. Now, today, we're not going to talk necessarily about the qualifications of an elder. That's a different message. We've talked about that in the past. Let me give you a brief, just a brief overview if you want to write these down. Um, It's A, B, C, D. For a qualification of an elder is this. According to uh, the passages in Timothy and in Titus. Uh, A is for a strong reputation in the church of God and in the community. It needs to be someone that has a strong reputation. B, it needs to be someone who's biblically mature. C, it means it needs to be someone who's committed to their local church and to their families. And then four, it means uh, desire. It needs to be someone who actually wants to be an elder. So they take those qualifications. What Paul is more talking about in this passage, now that you have elders who have met these qualifications, here's their job description. How do we practically care for the church? How do we do this? Well, first of all, church shepherds, elders, are to feed God's people. They are to feed God's people. Primary role for a shepherd is to make sure the sheep have plenty to eat that they are guided to places that are nurturing for them, that have access to both food and water. This is the goal of a shepherd. When that place is dried up or when that place doesn't have sufficient uh, uh, room for them to roam and to eat, they will guide them to the next portion of the field. Their primary responsibility is to feed God's word. They're to be shepherds of God's church. This is meaning to tend a flock in a particular area and to allow them to make sure that they have food to eat. So when that comes to a church, uh, we primarily see that in the setting on Sunday mornings, don't we? Sunday mornings is a time for us to gather, it's time for us to learn, it's time for us to feed. In our church, different churches handle it differently. In our church, I handle the primary teaching responsibility of our church on Sundays, Uh, In other churches, maybe they have three or four people that take that on through the course of the year, and they split those up, and there's team teaching. Uh, For our church, I handle the bulk of the responsibility on Sunday mornings. However, as elders, we together discuss priorities in teaching and what our church will need in different seasons. Uh, Recently, we were talking as elders, and we talked about a few things that we feel like seasonally for our church, we need extra attention and perhaps extra teaching as we study and we develop uh, convictions and principles around it. A couple of those areas, just so you know, number one, we talked about what do healthy marriages look like in our church? Uh, what does it look like for marriages to thrive in our culture? There's, uh, there's a lot of um, attacks on marriages in our culture. So the church should be a place where we feed God's people when it comes to having healthy marriages. Another place that we want to put emphasis and study ourselves and then bring it to our church is what do sexual ethics look like in 2023 in light of biblical principles? I don't have to tell you that sexual ethics are under attack. I think we all know that. And so as a church body, as elders, it's our responsibility to make sure our church is fed, that our young people are getting the training and the principles needed from God's word. We've talked about other things like uh, what does it look to practically follow Jesus? So this is what it means when, it, when we say that the church elders are to feed God's people. Remember the command in verse 28 says, pay careful, pay careful attention, care for the church. So not only do we feed, number two, we are to lead God's people. 
to lead God's people. So the word picture here we're using again with flock and with shepherds is if you, if you think about a shepherd, once an area of a field has been, uh, has been used where there's not enough uh, food anymore for the sheep or if the water has dried up, the responsibility of the shepherd is now to lead their people from one place to another. That's part of our responsibility as elders. Under the guidance of the chief shepherd and in the community of God's people, we want to lead people to where God wants them to be. Uh, leading people needs, means we need to know where we're going first as well, right? Uh, and so we're putting attention as elders on praying to discern the will of God for our church, for our, our, our church families. Um, recently, we, we, we took our, our, our membership um, and we took those who are active members, uh, regular attenders, and we placed them with different elders in our church so that every elder has people that pray for regularly. In fact, if you're here in our building today, you have an elder that's praying for you. Um, in fact, we did this. We made these little uh, prayer journals, and um, we have different ways that we're praying for uh, our, our, our people in our groups. We're praying for them to receive salvation. We're praying that you would have wisdom in any decisions that you make. We pray that there will be love in your conversations, that you would have joy and peace, that you would have a faith that's bold, that you would have healthy and strong relationships, that you would have unity with other brothers and sisters. And then there's a, your picture there. You know, I have your uh, name and address, whatever information we might have, and an opportunity for us to take notes and to write down uh, different things that we think about when we're praying for you. Uh, this is one of the advantages of coming to a church physically. Um, and so let me just, just for a moment, let me talk to you those who are watching online. First and foremost, thank you for watching. Um, watching online is a great uh, on-ramp in your spiritual journey, but let me encourage you to consider coming physically to our church if you're in the Douglas County area. How many of you like cooking shows? I love them. No surprise to you, I know. Um, I love cooking shows. In fact, most, most nights, Libby and I will watch a portion of a cooking show. It's so relaxing. Um, we, we are watching one right now that uh, the gal lives in Minnesota. She is part Chinese and part Jewish. So she takes all of her cultures and she brings them and, and, and fuses them together and, and makes things. Uh, on top of that, she lives in the Midwest in, in, in Minnesota. And so it's very unique to see what happens. Um, I'm, I'm usually informed and I'm usually inspired. I'm usually getting a lot of information that I'd like to have and I'm getting inspired to say, oh, we should try doing that. Or maybe we should try making that. You know what I can't do when I watch a cooking show? I can't taste it. And let me encourage you, if you're watching online, you will be informed and you will be inspired. But here's the difference of coming physically. You will not get to taste what relationship looks like in a local church. Amen. Now, here's the thing. There will come a day when you're ready. And I won't pretend to understand the journey of faith that you have at home right now. You might have been hurt by the church. You might have been abused by the church. You might have been, um, you, you might feel like God is so far away from you, he doesn't care about you right now, and watching online is all that you can do, and I'm here to tell you, 
we're with you. We want you to be able to just watch. But there will come a time in your life where you need relationships to help move you forward in your walk. And just like I can't taste the food, although I'm informed and inspired, and then I have to go do it on my own, if you stay watching online for too long of an extended period of time, when you go out to activate your faith and do it on your own, you will find yourselves in a vacuum without relationships. So let me encourage you, as your virtual pastor for today, to make the step when you're ready and, and God's leading you to show up in person. Because that's the difference when you come in person and start having relationships with people that you can see. Um, I was going to say that you can touch and feel, and that just sounded weird in my head, so I didn't say that. But for, with people that you can see and experience life with is all of a sudden you'll have elders who are praying with you and for you. All of a sudden you'll have people you get to sing with. All of a sudden you have relationships with real life people. And I'm telling you, life is about relationships. So let me encourage you if you're at home with that. Shepherds are to lead God's people. We do that by praying ahead to see where God is leading us as a church. And as God will speak to us as elders, we pray that we would have the courage to then lead our church in those areas. Um, and so we're to feed God's people. We are to lead God's people. If you're following in your notes today, we are to remember also that the church is God's. This is important reason why they had to take heed to themselves. Paul says, pay careful attention because the church that you are leading is not your church. It is God's who purchased it with his own blood. Look at verse 28. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And so as elders and as pastors, we carry this burden, and we do so at the will of the Father because it's his church. It is not our church. We are under shepherds to the chief shepherd. Now, what's beautiful here is this. The sheep, that's you. Raise your hand if you're sheep today. Very good. The sheep need to remember that God has appointed shepherds to feed and to lead you. And the shepherds need to remember that the flock belongs to God, not to us. So it is the cooperation of these two beliefs that allow us to function. Considering the greatness of the price, he says this, he obtained with his own blood. God purchased the church through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we are elders responsible for God's church. Paul is reminding them as they go from town to town, as they have these different communities and house churches in their context, he said, you do not get to lord this position over them. You do not get to manipulate them. You do not get to take advantage of them. In fact, you get to serve them because the person that bought them paid a very high price, and you were serving the Father by simply serving the church. So shepherds are to feed, we are to lead, we are to remember whose church it is. Paul continues the commissioning. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church which he obtained with his own blood. We read on, verse 29. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. 
That's strong language, isn't it? Paul is using very strong language, and he presses urgencies here, and he says this, these leaders, there are savage wolves that will come in among you, among the church, and their goal is to take twisted things and use it, not sparing the flock. He knew that a pastor, a leader, someone who had these twisted ideas would come in and seek division. And so, fourthly, shepherds are to protect God's people. Paul doesn't say how he knew, only that he did know. Now, there's a couple different ways he could have known. He could have just heard the rumblings, right? He could have just heard, uh, he just could have heard that there was someone potentially that was waiting for him to leave. And when he left, they would insert themselves into the king or into the church. Um, it could have been the Holy Spirit just leading him and saying and giving him guidance and saying, you need to help your elders understand that there is a threat that is coming. And I want you to understand as elders, it's our responsibility to look out for those threats. Those threats can look like a lot of different things. And it's a, it's a dangerous thing. The wolves are going to be vicious. They won't hold back against the people of God, but take as many as they can with them. And it's often easier for pastors to deal with uh, and elders to deal with the wolves that come from the outside, false doctrine, different types of false teaching, but it can be very difficult for us to deal with those that rise up in our own church family. In our last uh, gathering, we talked about the challenges facing, or I'm sorry, in our last uh, elders meeting, we talked about some of the challenges facing our generation. And for the next 20 or 30 years, when it comes to families and comes to young people, and we are called to be vigilant and to protect God's people from threats. It was interesting, as we were discussing in our last meeting, our elders meeting, and we came to our time of prayer, one of our elders said, man, it would have been so much easier to be elders like 50 years ago. And I've thought about that so much because we tend to think that our generation is the best and worst at everything. Like, we don't want to give any other generation any other credit, right? We're the best at whatever, and we're also the worst at whatever. Like, our, our good is really good, and our sin is really, really bad. And yet, this was written generations ago. And Paul, just a few years after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, said, hey, there's going to be vicious wolves that come in. And you know what people in the 1900s did when they read this passage? In the 1900s, they say, oh, yeah, I know where they're coming from. In the 1920s, when pastors and elders read this passage and they heard about vicious wolves coming into the church, you know what they said? Yeah, we have it so much worse in the 20s than they did in the 1900s. You know what happened in the 40s? Every generation looks back and thinks that we have it. What I know for sure is this. I don't know if it's any better or any worse for us. I just know the reality of it is this. If we just go passively through our faith and not pay attention and not set up clear standards on where we're going to hear from God and where we're going to allow to direct Him, our faith is just going to disintegrate. It's going to crumble. The wolves will come in, and if we don't have clear standards and guidelines on what it looks like to follow Jesus, where we're, where we're protecting our church, it's going to look very different than we think it is. Paul continues in verse 31, because of all these things, therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. You see Paul's heart here? He's pleading with them to understand, this is why I'm so passionate about this. 
Paul asked them to have the same level of concern that he had for the people of God. Look at the phrase there. I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. It was an extended period of time. It was a constant period of time. He didn't cease. It was a watchful period of time where he, uh, where he admonished and he warned. He did it with everyone. He did it with tears. He was very passionate. And now, based on his work, look what he says in verse 32. Now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul knew that there was trouble ahead for the Ephesian church, but he said, there was someone who can sustain you and strengthen you. He is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You know what an inheritance is? It's something that's promised. And he says here, um, I commend you. To the word of his grace was able to build you up and to give you the inheritance. In other words, there's something to look forward to as we're faithful. Verse 33, I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, how himself he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul concludes this goodbye by trying to communicate his heart and his motive in ministry. He wasn't in it for himself, but for God's glory and for the building up of God's people. Laboring like this means that Paul was a hard worker for God's glory. And his parting words were that, uh, that he quotes from the Lord Jesus is this, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So I want you to think about these this commissioning from Paul. He's invested a large period of time with these leaders, and now he is leaving, and now these are his final words. He reminds them to pay careful attention. You have to feed, you have to lead. Remember, this is not your church. This is God's church, and by God's grace, you need to protect the flock that is within you. What church are we talking about? Yeah, First Christian Church of Ephesus. That was the full legal name. It's in the Greek. You just have to trust me. Um, I want you to go to Revelation if you have your Bible. We're going to go to the book of Revelation. By all accounts, the church at Ephesus was a strong, healthy church. They had passionate leaders who loved them. They had good followers of Jesus Christ. And by all accounts, this church was set up for success. And not 30, 40 years later, there would be another letter written to the same church at Ephesus. And what's fascinating is this. Uh, Jesus would write the letter... And he would condemn, or he would, uh, he would, he would uh, applaud this same church. Revelation chapter 2, look at verse 1. It says this, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message for the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden stands. He says this, lampstands, I'm sorry. Uh, Revelation 2, verse 2, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. He commends them. 
He says, I have seen your hard work. You are busy. You, uh, when things need to be done, there's people that need to be done doing them. There's hard work in front of you and you do it and you have patience, endurance. That means that during persecutions or trials or during difficult moments, you have stayed faithful. You have endured. He says this, I know you don't tolerate evil people. That's a commendable thing for this church. When there's evil people that would rise in power or evil people that would come into the church to leverage influence, the Ephesian church wouldn't have it. He goes on to say, you have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered that they are liars. In other words, what that meant is this. When they were in a setting and they heard a gospel being preached, they would seek out the truth in Scripture to compare it to what was being said to make sure it aligned with what Jesus was teaching. Remember, we looked at it a few chapters ago. The Berean people, they sought the Scriptures daily to see if Paul said what he said was true according to the Scriptures. The Ephesians were like that. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. By all accounts, this is a really good church, isn't it? This is a very good resume. This is about 30, 40 years after Paul left. But verse 4 says this, and this is Jesus talking, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Your translation might say something like this, you have left your first love. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me. Do the works you did at first. And if you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. In other words, you will lose your influence. But this is in your favor. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do, the people that were uh, false teaching at that time. He says this, anyone with ears to ear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the church. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise. So here's the thing. They had left their first love. They still remained busy. They still did a lot of good things. They still persevered through really difficult times. They still isolated teaching that was false and took them out of the church. They still persevered without quitting. They still did all of these things. And in their busyness, they stopped loving God. And then they stopped loving one another. You know, how many, you know how many people the first Christian church at Ephesus runs this morning? Zero. It doesn't exist. Churches are on this life cycle. And sometimes churches last for a long period of time. And then they simply end. They fall. They die. Um, we were talking in staff or one of our council meetings in the last couple of weeks that our church will be celebrating 135 years next summer. We're the fourth oldest church in Roseburg, and that is quite a testimony. And I would say that as you read this list from Revelation 2, a lot of that is pretty true, isn't it? We have stayed busy. We have persevered through difficult times. We have isolated false teaching and, and, and removed them from, uh, from influence. We have persevered. We have gone ahead without quitting. May it not be said that we left our first love. May it not be said that in the busyness of doing this, this church, this church business, in the busyness of doing what we do, that we lose our first love, which is loving God and loving his people. 
Paul stressed to the early church that one of the ways that we were going to secure and to embrace this idea for a long period of time is making sure we had healthy leadership. Look at verse 36. The next verse there, Paul says this, or Luke says this as he's describing what's happened. When he had said these things, when Paul finished speaking, he knelt down and he did what with them? He prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. You see in verse 36, what's the last thing he did with them? That's what we're going to do today with our elders. Our invitation is going to be a time of prayer over our elders. Our church uh, in January confirmed uh, three new elders and to join the two existing elders that we have. And so, elders, would you make your way to the front right here and just stand up here? We're going to have a word of prayer over Sean Ryan, uh, Dean Soper, John Hooper, Mike Nichols, and Arlene Skogset. As Paul finished this discussion with them, he knelt with them and he prayed with them. And so this is how we'd like you to pray for us as elders. It's there in your notes. It's there on your screen. Just right up here if you guys would. And Arlene, thank you. So shepherds are to what? First of all, to feed God's people, right? So we would ask that you would pray we would be faithful to the whole counsel of God. We ask that you would pray as we are called to feed the flock that we would be well-fed ourselves. If we're going to feed the, the, the church, it is our responsibility then to be well-fed from God. So I would pray that uh, as elders, that you, uh, we would ask that you pray for our elders, that they would be well-fed, that they would spend time in prayer and in reading scripture in their own time so that they are well fed so that we as a group can feed you um, you can only pour from a cup that is full itself right and so we want to be praying that they are well fed number two shepherds are to lead god's people so we would pray that as we lead god's people we would follow our chief shepherd wholeheartedly as we follow christ wholeheartedly then it allows us to then lead god's people Shepherds are to remember that the church is God's. So I pray that we would remember we are stewards of God's church. And then shepherds are to protect God's people. And so I, I would ask that you pray for us, that we would be alert, wise, and discerning as we protect the flock. In your outline today on the inside, did you guys see the bios on each of our elders? It gives you an opportunity to learn a little bit about them and their names. Darren, would you come and join me up here while we pray for them? Um, we're going to end our, our, our message time with a time of prayer, but I wanted to um, present our elders with this just little token to remember this day. Would you pass these, a couple of these out? Um, this is just a, something to remind you to what you're called to. Um, happy birthday, Sean. I got you something. Uh, the verse that's on these uh, items are verses that our elders have committed to read, to study, meditate, and eventually memorize. And they come from 1 Peter. And this is our call as elders. To be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. 
Not because you must, but because you're willing. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. And not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And the promise in 1 Peter is this, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. So for a few moments, uh, we have a few former elders in here. I'd ask that you come and put your hands on them. Would you mind doing that, Steve and Rich and Jay, if you're able to? We're just going to pray over these elders. And as we do, we're just going to go through these five different ways to pray, and you're going to pray with us. And so uh, let's bow our heads. Uh, Actually, Steve, yeah, make your way over. And we're going to walk you through these five different ways. My prayer is this. The reason why those bios are on the same part as the outline, is that you would keep that somewhere where you could pray for our church on a regular basis, and these would be five different areas that you simply pray for our leadership. It becomes a significant thing that we have the support of our church family, and so we would love to do that. Thank you all. Let's say a prayer for our elders, shall we? With your heads bowed, we want to pray first that our elders would be faithful to the whole counsel of God. So there at your seat, if you would just pray that we would not shrink from our responsibility, but that we would take in the whole counsel of God, regardless how difficult that might be. We want to be pray that they're well-fed, and so would you pray that as elders, they are reading, studying, praying, getting filled up themselves so that we could adequately feed our church. Would you pray that we would follow our chief shepherd wholeheartedly in our own personal lives with our families and with our finances and with our jobs and our careers with our relationships so that we know how to follow him so we could lead our church effectively. Would you pray that we would remember that we are stewards of God's church, that it's not ours to lord it over anyone, but that it's God's church. And would you pray that we would be alert, wise, and discerning to the threats that would want to come in to our church to distract us, to destroy us? Would you pray that we are wise, discerning, and alert? Heavenly Father, we're grateful for these that you've called to this place in our church, Lord. And I just pray for them individually that you would give them wisdom and grace and understanding, Lord. I pray for Sean Ryan and his family that you would just bless him as he leads a a home with three young people as he and Summer uh, do so that you would give them wisdom and grace, Father. Father, we pray for John Hooper and we pray for he and Dana and uh, that he would be faithful to you wholeheartedly, Lord, as he seeks to be wise himself, Lord. We pray for Mike Nichols and for Lori and that you would bless him and his family. Thank you for um, bringing them to our community, Lord, 
and to our church family. We pray that his life experiences and his wisdom would serve our church well. We pray for Arlene, Lord. Many of us know Arlene, and maybe some of us who have recently attended don't know Arlene as well, but Lord, what a wealth of wisdom, a wealth of uh, grace and understanding in the years that she has served you, Father. We pray for continued health and favor in her life as she leads with this group, Lord. We pray for Dean Soper and for Linda and his family, Lord, that you would, uh, again, bless him with good health and favor and continued wisdom. Thank you for the leadership you've called to this church, Lord. May we be faithful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You can return to your seats. As they return to their seats, I want you to look at this slide one more time. We're praying that people would be faithful to the whole counsel of God, that they would be well-fed, that they would follow our chief shepherd wholeheartedly, that we are, remember that we are stewards of God's church, and that we would be alert, wise, and discerning. This is a good prayer for all of us, isn't it? Yeah, you see, the standard that Paul was talking to, to the elders, was also the standard he was praying that the elders would hold for their church. And as a body of believers, it is my absolute prayer that we would be faithful to the whole counsel of God. Why, 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 are, why are the elders going to be praying towards healthy marriages and, 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 and healthy sexual ethics and what it looks like for our, for our parents and for teenagers? Why? Because we want to be faithful to the whole counsel of God. Uh, it is my prayer that you would be well-fed. I do not know about you, but I cannot survive on one meal a week. I mean, I've never tried it, to be fair. <laughs> but I cannot survive on one meal a week. Neither can you. It's important that we do the daily diligence to be well-fed so that when we are in a moment of temptation, when we are in a moment where we're going to lose our cool, when we are in a moment where we're going to be wise, where we have to be wise, when we are in a moment where we have to parent our kids, when we are in a moment where we have to be loving and kind to our spouse, we're already fed in order to display those behaviors. It's my prayer that we would follow our chief shepherd wholeheartedly wherever he goes. Not that we would simply be on the same journey but that I would be right behind him, following him. That's my prayer. I would pray that we remember we're stewards of God's church, which is why we show up physically, which is why we worship together, which is why we sing together, no matter what our voices sound like, because it's an act of submission, and it's an act of praise and worship. It's why we pray together. It's why we study together, and that we would be alert, wise, and discerning. We're going to have one more time of prayer, and this time it's for you. However, God speak into your heart and how Paul asked prayer for the local church and their elders. However, God speaking to you, would you take a moment and pray? Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. 
God bless you and have a beautiful day.